We read in the Bible about miracles performed by Jesus and by God, and we sometimes wonder if he still performs miracles today. Now, I think we believe that we do, or we wouldn't pray like we do, but I contend that he does, and he does this every day. And if we consider miracles only to be things like parting seas and, and walking water, we're, we're going to miss some of the joy and marvel of, of miraculous healing, right? Which we've already prayed for. And, and what about the miracle of life itself? And last week, as a part of the previous message series titled Absolutely Worth It, we looked at the parable of the talents. And you recall that the master entrusted each person according to their abilities. Well, today's Mother's Day. And I believe there's no greater or beautiful miracle than the creation of life. Life that is carried within the womb of a woman, which defines her as a mother. The child's birth and presentation to the world. And knowing what God thinks about mothers and adding what we learned about his entrusting each person according to their abilities. We know that God has a special blessing and a place in his heart for mothers. Those who have children, those who have adopted or fostered children. And those who have been the mother-like figure in the lives of other people's children. So ladies, God has blessed you and we thank you for all that you do. Friends, last year's message spoke about God's plan for mothers. In fact, that was the title. And I want to encourage you to revisit that message, even if you aren't a mother or a woman for that matter, because God has a role for you um, in the lives of, of women and mothers. He has a role for you in the encouragement, honoring, and support for these very special people. So speaking of unsung heroes, um, and influential women. This week on Wednesday evening at 7, we'll be doing our usual Bible study online, and we're going to talk about two lesser-known characters of the Bible, and I've tried to kind of snag these every now and then come up with, with some of these. And, and anyway, it's, it's, I'm not going to tell you who they are yet, because it's more fun if you don't know and we learn together, and, and that way if no one's overly prepared, then we're all there learning together. But it's often said that most people identify with one of these two characters, Okay. They're two very different women. That's the only clue you're going to get. This will be an informative as well as entertaining view, and I hope you'll join us. It's 7 p.m. this Wednesday, and uh, it's online, and, and we're going to continue this for a while, and, and we may reevaluate here after a while, maybe when we, we can get back in person. But we might be doing both for a while. I don't know. I really enjoy the Wednesday nights. It's been fun. So. But this, weekend's, or this week's message is inspired by mom saying. Okay? You know what those mom sayings are. I'll give you an example. Wait until your father gets home, right? Right. Well, give me, give me some others. I got a whole list here, but it'd be more fun if you throw these out. If so and so jumped off a cliff, would you? No. No, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> that was reflective. How about? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I brought you in this world. I can take you out. Yeah. Your room looks like a tornado hit it. How about your face will freeze like that? Money doesn't grow in tease. Don't look at me like that. Don't use that tone with me. How about this one? Because I said so. That strikes fear and giggle at the same time. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Or when they're really mad, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. No. <laughs> no. I never would have talked to my mother this way. That's, where the, that's the, the mom guilt one, right? Uh, don't make me come in there. Right? And how about this one? You know what. You know, this one comes in handy later in life. Our, our youngest is about to turn 20, and when asked, why are you mad, or, or what did I do? Sherry digs in the handbook, mom handbook, and says, you know what you did. 
You know, you know what you said, right? And to be clear, that, that actually wasn't a conversation between Abby and Sherry. That was actually between Sherry and I. So apparently it, it still comes out. It still works. So that's what made me think of this, right? Yeah. To be clear, yeah. I mean, does anybody else still hear that? You know, you know what you did. This list was filled with angry mom quotes. And, and, and the truth is that... The truth is that moms aren't always angry. Those are just the funny things moms say when they're all, whenever. But no one can show or say, I love you, the way a mom does, right? It's true. There's, there's no way. And God's, God's given guys a, a gift to do that too. And we have our own gifts and abilities. And, and they complement the mother, right? Complement with E. You know, we complete each other. We, we should complement them too. But, but we, com- we com- complement each other in raising our children and an influence in the world, and that's what makes a strong relationship. But like I said, this morning's message was inspired by a mom saying, you know what? And this morning we're going to look at that saying from a biblical perspective. It says, God knows what. Specifically, we're going to look at what the Bible says about what we want and what we need and, and what troubles us and what keeps us occupied. So let's begin. First, God knows what you want. We want tangible things, right? There's things like we want food and we want clothing and we want shelter. These are needs, but there's some wants in there because, you know, we need food. We want a steak, right? We need to eat healthy, but Taco Bell sounds really good today too, right? We need clothing, but, but we want to look stylish. We need shelter, but we want something lavish, right? We want comfort and amenities, the health. We, we want health. We want perfect health, a full head of hair, straight teeth, no wrinkles or blemishes, right? We don't need that to do God's work, right? But we sure would want it. We want things. We want stuff. And not all stuff is bad. God wants us to enjoy this life, right? And so God gives us an opportunity to make money and have money and have stuff. We just aren't supposed to love the stuff. And we're supposed to use the stuff for our enjoyment, for the enjoyment and service of others. We also have emotional and psychological wants. And God knows what these are. We want peace, right? We want, we want no conflict, no drama. Proverbs 16.7 says, When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes his, even his enemies will be at peace with him. God, God wants you to have some of these wants for peace. God wants us for us to listen to Jesus' words from John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. Okay, wow. And he says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, we need peace, but this is, there's a peace that we want that's just free of conflict. And, and God wants both of those, but he's going to let some conflict in because that's it's going to stretch our ability to forgive, right? And to show mercy and compassion. We want distinction. We want to be known and respected and we want a, a legacy, right? How will I be remembered? Psalm 24 says, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill your plans. God knows what you want. And he, he knows that you want to accomplish things, and he wants that for you too. And we want fellowship with others, and God knows that. This is also a need. God designed us to have relationships with others. The want may come from a desire with a relationship with a specific type of person. Maybe that's good, and maybe that's not so good, right? 
God wants us to enjoy this life, and he delights in granting the desires of our hearts when they're in alignment with his will. He said, ask, ask. And if it's, a, if it's something that I want you to have or want you to do or it's good, that absolutely, ask and it shall be given to you. Now, if you ask for this and he knows that's not good for you, or you ask for this and he knows it's going to be a, a bigger problem or a wedge, you may not get it, you know? You gotta, you gotta trust God. Psalm 37, one through 40, this is a, a psalm from David. It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of, of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land of and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. And there's a lot of this, again, in Psalm 21 too. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. And it ends with the word selah, which is used throughout Psalms like 90 some times. And it's a, it's a, a musical term, but it also can be used to, to mean forever. Almost like a, a musical hallelujah, a musical amen. You have given him his heart's desires and not withheld the request of his lips. And of course, the, the caveat from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. It's a warning in there. It says there's a lot of things that are acceptable, especially when you turn, put the word socially in there, right? Socially acceptable behavior doesn't make it right or good for you. And this goes back to Paul's speaking on freedom in Galatians 5, and he talks about, you know, you're free to do a lot of stuff, but that doesn't mean... You should, right? And so these wants, we need to keep them in check with God's will. But if you want it, God knows what those wants are. And he knows what's good for you. And he will grant a measure of your wants. Think back to the prodigal son. Remember the, the, the father had, had all of his wealth and the inheritance. And the kid said, I, I want it now. And, and the father said, okay. And what did the kid do? He went and squandered it. Right? Now, the, 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 port of the story is, is how the son came back and was, was loved, but this is, a, this is also revealing of, of human's character. Because some of the stuff that we want that's intended for us, that we think is good, sometimes we want it now. But sometimes it's better to wait. So God knows what we want, but God also knows what we need, and he should. He made us. He designed you. He knows exactly what you need and, and all that. And again, we have these tangible things like food, clothing, and shelter. So listen to these familiar words. We just read them this morning, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. God, give me the food and the sustenance I need. From Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. So there's food and clothing. Is it not like more than, is life not more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Right? God knows that you need these things. And he says, don't be anxious about it. I will provide a way. Health. You need a certain degree of health to stay alive. And it fulfills God's purpose for you in your life. You know? We pray for perfect health and perfect hair and perfect teeth. But God says, you don't even have to have perfect speech. How many people in the Bible did he use that were stuttered and couldn't speak and weren't eloquent and all that? And he said, I made you. I know what you can do. 
You don't have to have perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect health, you know, to do my work. Resources. There are resources, certain resources we need because they're instrumental in fulfilling our purpose, like, like our time, right? We, have, we need time in order to, to fulfill these things, these, these responsibilities and these tasks on work. We, we need our abilities to do it, and we need, we need money. And just like the story of the five talents last week, you have been gifted according to your abilities, and you are fully equipped to do what God wants you to do. If God wants you to do something, he has already given you the stuff within you. Now, you may not recognize it. It may be a stretch. But if God wants you to teach and you've never taught before, doesn't mean that he hasn't equipped you to do that. So ask the one who made you how you were made. But in Hebrews 13, 5, we get this warning. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. And remember, people get hung up on the, the money is the root of all evil. It says, no, the love of money. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is with you. He will give you everything you need, some of the things you want. And he knows what those are. But you know, God knows your emotional and psychological needs too. He knows you need peace. And this is the kind that comes from grace and mercy, okay? This isn't necessarily the, the avoiding struggles because God says there's a measure of struggles you're going to be in your life and he's going to use those for good too. But 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion but of peace. God doesn't desire for disorder and chaos in your life. Even in this verse, he's actually referring to church services. He's re Paul is writing to the early followers in Corinth and he's, he's talking about a church service should be orderly because we have a God that is not of confusion and dis, you know, uh, all that. He's of peace and order. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There's the promise. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. There's the other part of that promise. We need fellowship with God. We, want, we are wired that way. I told you we, we want to have a relationship with people God, God put within us to need a relationship with others, but he really put within us a need to have a relationship with him. And I can't talk about this without going back to John 3.16. God so of the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the new covenant promise that gives you that fellowship with God. It makes it possible. Now, just like we read about with Paul, you can still choose not to do it. Just because you have the free choice to do it or not do it, he doesn't make you. But the way has been paved now. We also know we need a purpose. We need a purpose in our life in Romans 8, 28. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. <clears throat> God has a purpose for you. He has laid it out before you were born. And some people spend their entire lives trying to figure it out. And he says, just ask. Just ask. It just may not be the time yet for, for this, you know. He says, just ask. And I think that really goes to play with what you guys talked about with, with your daughter. He says, you know, all things work together. How many things had to happen in that order, Mark and Connie, for your daughter to get that miracle answer to the prayer? They had to go in and they had to borrow this and do this and talk to someone who did this and the, and, and the timing had to be perfect. I mean, so many things in our life, if we thought about it, were just a bunch of 
really perfect coincidences. And I don't think that's really the right word, is it? Coincidences. Really well-timed and orchestrated things that happen together that got us where we are and where we need to be. And lastly, spiritual. God knows what we need spiritually. Maybe you didn't realize that this was a need. But because it's so deeply ingrained within you that you just, or maybe you do. Maybe you realize, I really need this connection. I really need to know and trust and believe in God. And there's a better chance in this room than maybe elsewhere that, that that's true of you. But there are people that don't understand that that's a need. Matthew 4, 4, it says, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yes, you need food, clothing, and shelter to survive, but you need God's word to live. And likewise, in Romans 14, 17, we find these words, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wonderful things await us. So lastly, these things that God knows what about? God knows what troubles you, okay? Not just because you told him, but he already knows. He knows what. So what's the first thing? Worry. I put a couple of verses in on this one because I know right now with the uncertainty of the pandemic and what's going to happen next and all this, we worry. But John 16, says these words. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus' own words saying, don't worry. It's, if you worry that something bad's going to happen, I'm telling you it's going to happen. Something is going to happen. But don't worry about that, and don't worry about having to go through it alone. Okay? There's courage that can be taken from that. Matthew 6, 25-34, therefore, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. And I, and I read this before, but I'm going to skip to the end where it says, um, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Worrying accomplishes nothing. In fact, it's counterproductive to your faith. Because you're worrying about things you should be turning over. And what happens? Your body rejects it. Your stomach hurts, right? You got a headache maybe. You just feel gross and kind of cranky. And you take it out on other people, right? Because you're worried about something that isn't yours to control. And 1 Peter 5, 7, this advice says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. What a wonderful promise. What a wonderful promise. And God knows what you need regarding relationships. So from Romans 12, 9 through 21, there's a section that refers to love and action. And I'm just going to read this, and the point's really at the end of it, but I'm going to go and read the whole passage. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keeping your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So I'm going to stop here and say, these are all ways that we can put love, God's love, into action. Not just here, but doers and actors. So this is the list. And then it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Well, that's tough, isn't it? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Then it goes on. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. 
and here's the real point of this. If it is possible, as far as it is up to you, or as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I'm going to stop there for a second. We try to control every relationship we're in, intentionally or unintentionally. We want everybody to like us. We always want peace, and I think those are noble endeavors. But the Bible says you don't have to get along with everyone. It just says, if it is possible. Okay, So there may be some times it's not possible. As far as it depends on you, you're only responsible for your part. Live at peace with everyone. Okay, Live at peace. It doesn't even say you have to like them. Now, you do have to love them, but there's that little area of like, right? I love you, but I don't like you very much. Right? We've got people in our lives like that, right? Um, or I love you, but right now I don't like you very much. Well, that's sometimes said around our house. <laughs> but this is, um, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Powerful, powerful words. Put that in your mind with every relationship you have and see if you don't come away with a little more peace, even if there's some conflict. And then it goes on, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that ends kind of, it's kind of interesting to say, don't, you don't, you don't have to keep them on the hook for something they did wrong. You put them on God's hook, because God's a better judge, a fairer judge. He can, he can look at it lovingly and, and objectively and, and make a decision about what people deserve. You are not responsible for that. And when you realize that, yes, you were giving up some control, but you'd be surprised how much peace you feel when that happens. And I love this. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Love someone. Drives them crazy. <laughs> Try it. Try it next time someone's mad at you. Let's see if you can't kill them with kindness. Anyway. And sometimes we get hung up on, on wants that we feel are unmet. These are, or, or even needs are unmet. And, and sometimes God is silent. God, we really need you right now. We're praying for healing and, and we're not seeing the healing. Or, or God, I, I, I'm not sure what to do. I need help making this decision financially or with my job or whatever it may be. And it seems like God is silent. Now there's a difference between silence and absence. Sometimes God is silent because there needs to be some time and these pieces to move around, right? Like we talked about earlier. Pieces need to move around to line up the timing. So take, take heart in this from Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Quit trying to make an all-knowing, all-powerful God make sense to our little minds. You're going to put him in a little cubby hole. You're going to be blown away by what he does, but you're going to be really disappointed on what you try to make him do when he has something so much better and smarter in mind. And lastly, God knows what occupies your mind and what occupies your life and your time. Okay? Again, worry. In Jeremiah 29, 11, you know I have to read this one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Right? We occupy our mind with worry, and that takes the place of fear, or it takes the place of, of faith. Sometimes we occupy our mind with anger or lack of mercy. Um, sometimes we... we Fill our mind with pursuits, and some of them are very good. I want to I wanna spend all my time doing this or doing that, and these are good things. But sometimes we pursue the bad things. So Paul's letter, Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not things of the earth. Pursue godly things, kingdom things that are done down on earth. 
Serving others. How can I serve others using my God-given talents? We have a beautiful garden that provides for the community. We have a beautiful building and grounds. We have shops here in town, or we had shops here in town, and we provided places for people to come and, and hang out and, and spend money and, and, and make relationships. These are godly pursuits that are occurring here on earth. And lastly, we, you know, we can occupy our minds with him. For Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. Okay? Samuel was talking about someone else. saying, but that guy has probably has the perfect hair and the perfect teeth we were talking about earlier, right? The perfect tan and all that, you know, dresses perfect because, because I rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make, your, make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord, which respect the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Fill your minds with God. And if you fill your minds with anything else but him, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Remember that? Are we putting too much love into money and not using our money for love? So if we were to reflect on God's character as revealed through this word, and this is something we do on our Wednesday studies, what kind of confidence can we take from knowing that God knows what? We have a God that knows what we need. We have a God that knows what we want. We have a God that knows what occupies our mind. And we have a God that knows psychological and emotionally what we need and want. And what's reassuring about that is knowing God's character, that he loves us, and he cares about us, and he knows all things and can do all things, and these things we studied last week, if we know that, there's peace and confidence saying, he knows what I want. He's smart enough to, to know what I need, and he's loving enough to give me what is right. Since God knows what, why do we even need to pray then? What's the point? He already can read my mind. He knows my heart, good and bad. Why do I need to pray? God tells us in Matthew 6, 8, your father knows what you need before you ask him. But in the next verse, he tells us to pray for our needs. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, God commands us to pray continually. That means pray a lot, right? Prayer is God's way for us to receive what we need from him. He tells us the reason we don't have what we need is because we haven't asked or, or because we're asking selfishly or, or we're asking for something that's not in alignment with his will. We also need to pray because we have an enemy, the devil, who wants to rob us of the good things that God wants to give us. Prayer is God's way to stand firm against the devil's tricks. It's from Ephesians. We play on our feet there and we, through prayer we strengthen ourselves. And through study and worship, we strengthen ourselves because we don't have to fight the battle. The battle's been fought and won. We just need to call the name of the one who defeated it. And when we pray with thanksgiving, God chases away our worries and fills our worries, our hearts, our minds with peace. Because when you thank God for something, you can't worry about it. You can't. It's not, we aren't wired that way. If you were to pray for someone that you are really angry with, something happens in your mind that changes that perspective. But isn't it wonderful to know that God wants us to talk with him and tell him our needs? And we all need to spend more time in prayer. So I'm going to conclude with one verse from Philippians. It says, do not be anxious. So there's one of our points. 
about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, by prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There are eight or nine little things that I've got to underline here because they speak to exactly what I've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, 23 minutes. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's close with that kind of prayer. You are a good, good father. You know our needs. You know our wants. And you know what's important to us. And Lord, sometimes all three of these are the same thing and sometimes they're not. But it takes a good God like you with all your wisdom and knowledge and and love to pick through those and to give us exactly what is important in our lives for us to live a life that fulfills your purpose. God, you delight in our joy. You delight in, in, in when we are happy. And you mourn alongside us when we are sad. So God, as we go forward from this day to day, I ask that you continue to be with us and help us to decide the things that are important in alignment with your will. God, help us to serve others, to be an example of of you and the community, to show love towards another person, to seek the right kinds of relationships and pursuits, and to fill our minds and our hearts with godly things and the the, the fruits of the Spirit. God, as always, I just thank you for this church, this opportunity to get together. And for all those who are here, those who couldn't make it, those who are listening online, I ask for a special blessing. May we be changed for the reminders we received this morning through your word. We give this service to you. Amen.